What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're going to do the first of what will be five breakdowns of the Power Five conferences, starting with today, the Big 12. Call it the Big 12 preview, if you will. For those of y'all that are the throwbacks to the channel, you understand when I used to do this way back in June or way back in July, but it's August. We're in preseason camp. We have to keep up with all the storylines, which is why I want to go through my top five storylines and or questions. Teams I think will fall short of expectations. Teams I think will absolutely exceed expectations. And which team is most likely to put the money in the bag as well as who's going to play in the Big 12 championship? You know, little things like that. So let's get it off and pop and let's get it started with my top storyline of the five going into this 2022 regular season in the Big 12. First one is, has Oklahoma been Clemsoned? Allow me to explain what I mean. So, for those of you that go back to September 2017 when we first got this thing on and pop, it feels like that long ago when we was on a step mill just grinding, grinding, grinding to get to Fox Sports. I used to say, Clemson is who Oklahoma should be. And I said it repeatedly, and I've said it repeatedly for five friggin' years. Why? Because since about the time Brent Venables showed up at Clemson, they have been absolute juggernauts. They've won two national championships. They've had outstanding quarterback play. They've had a dominant defense. And is that what Dabo Sweeney calls little old Clemson? Well, damn it, it's big, bad Oklahoma in Norman, and I would like y'all to act like it this season. No team has won more football games since 2000 than the Oklahoma Sooners. And that's if we throw in uh, lead producer Tyler Wojak's Notre Dame vacated wins and such. That means Oklahoma is eight clear of second place, which means that Oklahoma could win, or I should say, could lose seven games and still be the winningest team of the last 22 seasons. But how many national championships got to show for it? One. My goodness, man. So now you got Brent Venables showing up to Oklahoma, bringing everything that he has learned from Clemson, plus his 13 years at Oklahoma under Bob Stoops, and his short tenure with Kansas State, Bill Snyder, going, this is how I want to do this, going in my year one. As he told me, hey, you only get one opportunity to be a first-year head coach in your first year. He's brought a lot of things they do at Clemson well to Oklahoma. He made a few waves late last week when he had said, I should say, in the last week of July, right, last week of July. When he said, look, when a kid tells me he's ready to commit, that's not exactly what I want to hear, okay? For him, a commitment is exactly that. We get the marriage analogy going in there, which is, hey, we're engaged to be married, but I'm going to go date other people. Understanding this is more like a job offer, and it's more like a business opportunity. That's the best analogy, but I get what he means because I put it succinctly. It's not a wild take. Every football coach ever, every football coach ever wants commitment. They want commitment on the field. They want promises. They want you to understand that, hey, we don't have to recruit or develop you if, you know, you tell us that you're going to show up. We don't want to recruit you like you're not committed. We want to recruit other people like they're not committed. And the kids, like you or I, are going, nah, if I got a job offer at several different places, if Apple and Google want me, perhaps I should go visit both Apple and Google. See what all the fuss is about as opposed to showing up to Apple going, yeah, I'll accept this job offer when Google might be able to throw you all the money in all the bags. You understand what I'm saying here, right? As we talk about, like, YouTube, who, you know, owns you – know, it's owners, Google, so forth, so on. I think it's interesting to also point this out 
Are they going to play defense like they play at Clemson? Because that's what Oklahoma fans really want to know. Are you going to be able to turn up and turn out on defense? Because one thing to outscore people, we know what that looks like. Oklahoma's done that for the past five, six, seven years. What they can't do, consistently at least, is stop people. And Brent Venable showed up and said, no, 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 no. We're here to stop people. But while we're here to stop people, we're also going to be running fast and we're going to be running angry. We're going to have this offense that's just go, go, go. And we're going to put the defensive back out there to get stops. See if we can't run up the score that way. We'll see how much Clemson gets into Oklahoma and what that means for them down the line. Number two on my top storylines among these top five is can Baylor and Oklahoma State do it again? Okay. Those of y'all remember seeing Oklahoma State and Baylor in the Big 12 championship? kind of weird bro it's not exactly what we was brought up on bro like I was in high school and Baylor was garbage absolute trash like on fire that kind of garbage dumpster fire way over there and over the last 10 years they've had peaks and valleys but I feel like they got their dude in Dave Aranda because they have built around defense and philosophy as y'all will know Dave Aranda is a philosopher as a matter of fact he got his master in philosophy at Texas Tech and he approaches the game like that. His kids look forward to seeing him on a whiteboard because they know that they're going to get a little Lao Tzu with their Kung Fu and they 4-4 too. So another way to look at this is can they keep up the takeaways, right? Because I believe they got 44 takeaways over the last two years. Like it's ridiculous what they've been able to do from a defensive standpoint. And now they got a quarterback that they really do like in Blake Chapin. They like him so much that Dave Aranda went up to Jerry Bohan and May said, hey, man. Blake's going to be the starter, so if you want to transfer, I understand, and I get it. And that's exactly what happened. I believe Bohan is down there at South Florida. Real big of Dave Aranda. He's also put together a group I think wants to stay together and absolutely get it done. Can they get back to the Big 12 championship? Same thing with Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders goes into this thing as the only quarterback in the entire Big 12 to not face a quarterback battle in the spring. We know that in other places, we feel like we know who the starter's going to be, and I think coaches feel like they know who the starter's going to be too, but they still have had a battle of sorts, right, outside of, yeah, that's it, Spencer Sanders, because Blake Shapin comes in late in the year, and then we get to see him do what he do, but Sanders, man, Spencer, Spencer, all, all, you got, all you got to do, all you got to do to get Oklahoma State back to the Big 12 championship is to take care of Hold on to not throwing football to other people. That's all you got to do, dog. Like, it's, it's, I, I hate to make it that simple, but that is the only thing holding Oklahoma State back because Mike Gundy, if nothing else, he starts quarterback, he's going to stay with that quarterback. He's not going to sit him. He's not going to bench him. That's his job. And it's the reason Shane Illingworth was like, hey, I got to get up out of here. I'm more talented than this other dude. I came in a couple times. They're not going to let me fight with, with this other dude. It's kind of like Justin Fields and Jake Fromm in that situation, right? Spencer Sanders is Oklahoma State's Jake Fromm, okay? You can definitely get to a national championship game with that. That's what Oklahoma State wants to do, get back to the Big 12 championship, win it again, or I should say, come six inches closer to winning it, right, so that you get out of the Fiesta Bowl, maybe you get to Sugar Bowl, maybe you get to college football playoff for the first time in your history, and you go show Oklahoma was really good as they are two years out from leaving the Big 12 conference for good. I think for Oklahoma State, what does Derek Mason do with that defense? He's got some studs, right? Brock Martin, who's from Ulaga, down around away from me. He's got Colin Oliver, who's from Edmond, who's on the other side of the turnpike from me. He's got dudes to out there, go out there and do some nice things. Oklahoma State is also built in the way that I would like Oklahoma to be built, quite frankly. I mean, I know everybody got to go into Texas, go get players, because Texas is that kind of state. 
But Oklahoma State goes and gets my kids, right? Like that means something to me. Many of y'all remember Brendan Presley doing his thing on this channel. It's got so much bigger. He's got so much wider. He's gotten so much more mature. And he's absolutely going to be a dude that they try to target 100 times over the course of the season. Between him and Brain Johnson, you're going to have a lot of fun. Spencer Sanders can hold on to the football, take care of the football. My next question among our top five storylines for the Big 12, who brings up the rear? Okay, that's my question. The way to look at this is, is Kansas going to be awful again this year? Now, they won two games last year. It's a lot, Kansas. You understand what it's been like, Kansas. Basically, it's a long fall from 2007, baby. But I think they got to do it. And you've heard me say this for over a year. I love me some Lance Pipehold. I really do. It's his pedigree. He's won national championships before. Every program he goes to, he flips and turns around. He and Travis Goff speak the same language. And KU is out there feeling themselves. You know how I know they're feeling themselves? Because they're doing their own documentary on the YouTubes. Remember they were doing the miles to go stuff on the uh, on the four-letter network? Now they're just doing it themselves because that's how they're feeling right now. I met all the players that Lance brought out to Big 12 Media Days, all right? Jalen Daniels is feeling himself. Louis, Kenny Logan is feeling himself. Devin Neal is feeling himself. And they got what I think is the best-kept secret on offensive line entirely. Earl Bostic is absolutely a dude that you need to watch, and he's going to be a guy that your favorite NFL draft analyst is probably going to call a sleeper. But I'm telling you right now in August that Earl Bostic is that dude. So remember that I told you that Earl Bostic is that dude come April next year. That's all I'm asking, right? Because this dude gave up 11 sacks in 11 games. Lance Leipold, Coach Fuchs show up, say, hey, we're going to make this game real simple for you. And he has given up one sack in his last 11 starts. I asked Coach Leipold and I asked Earl Bostic. What happened, man? Like, how did you flip on? This is a man that been at KU since about 2017. He's seen him come. He's seen him go. He said, Coach Leipold actually took an interest in me as a human being, as a person. It was that simple. He gained his trust by approaching him as a grown man, asking him questions about himself. That made me so sad. It made me so sad because I know that Earl is not the only player that feels that way in this sport where I run into coaches all the time tell me their job is to help raise young men into adults. One of the ways you do that is get to know them, understand what they are on and off the football field, more off than on, because you get that off correct, that on is going to be on point. That's what I think they got in Earl Bostic. The other part is I look at like Texas Tech's schedule, and we'll get to a little bit of this when we get to start talking about teams I think will exceed expectations. But they got NC State on their schedule, and NC State feels like they could beat Clemson in the ACC championship. We'll talk about that a little later down the road. They got a couple other programs on there that I think Joey McGuire and Zach Kittley is going to get every bit of. We'll see. I'm just telling y'all, Kansas is not the doormat that you're used to seeing, which means that the entire league is about to get much more competitive, and I'm here for a much more competitive Big 12. All right. Number four on my list of top storylines for the Big 12, who is the best quarterback in the league? Now, in past times, I, yeah, I'm the OU dude. You understand that. But I, like you, would say, who is Lincoln Riley tapped to be the, head, uh, the quarterback? And we leave it at that, right? But this year, we've had so much turnover, okay? We got Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. We got <laughs> Jalen Daniels, who's going to be the guy at Kansas. We got Hunter Deckers, who's going to get his opportunity to be the guy at Iowa State, right? Keep going down the line. Quinn Ewers is probably going to be the dude at Texas, right? We'll find about, I think it's going to be Donovan Smith at Texas Tech, but they got studs, Baron Morton, right? Tyler Shuck. 
You also got Texas Christian, who's got a battle between Max Duggan and Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris, who went for 460 on a great Baylor defense. Hello. In the Oklahoma, right, you got my man Dylan Gabriel is probably going to be the guy. You got Spencer Sanders, who I mentioned earlier, at Oklahoma State. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Oh, yeah, Blake Shapin at, at, at Baylor, but we kind of talked about it. Didn't want to do the around-the-world thing, but here I am. Point is, I don't know who it's going to be. I think that it's going to be the team that absolutely puts it on their quarterback to go win football games. And Zach Kitley, who absolutely showed what he was capable of at West Kentucky, right? Remember Bailey Zappi? Remember all the yards they went for? He might have an opportunity to do that with Donovan Smith, but that dude can move around, and you're probably going to get more out of him showing something with his legs than just absolutely cannonballing the football downfield. It's about, really, does Jeff Levy's offense click with Dylan Gabriel? Yes. Does it click with the rest of the offense? How do the offensive linemen hold up? How does Bill Beatonbow's unit hold up? It's going to tell us a lot about it, and we know that they want to be balanced on offense, playing, running the ball, and playing uh, and passing attack. I think it's going to be about can Eric Gray be that dude to get you five yards carry, six yards carry that allows for the play action pass to open up so Dylan Gabriel can hit a Marvin Mims, a Drake Stoops streaking downfield. We'll just have to see. But it's an open question to me as to who is the best quarterback in the entire Big 12. Really, really close. My last question for the top storylines going into this season in the Big 12 Conference. Is Texas back or is Texas just Ferrari? Okay. Allow me to understand and state for you what I mean. So, Texas' back has been basically a joke since Sports Illustrated put it on the cover of a magazine. And we've been saying it, you know, as a way to say Texas is never coming back because never, Texas was never back. They had a great year in 05. They won a national championship. They got to the national championship in 09, and they've been Bad to average ever since. The best season being 10-4 2018 when, you know, Sam Ellinger got up there after winning the Sugar Bowl, beating Georgia in a game that Georgia didn't really care about, said we're back. And then Tom Herman ended up getting fired. Now, we, now we're on to Steve Sarkeesian, right, who started out his first year going 5-7. and seven, And then your mans has been like, I feel real good about Texas. I think they got some dudes. I think this is the year for which they put it together. But. I count at least four times for which Steve Sarkeesian has made reference to 57 of his 85 scholarship players are underclassmen. You say that once, and I understand what you mean. For you to keep saying it each and every month since March does not make a Texas fan or a dude that picks Texas to be good feel great, all right? It's not something you want to keep hearing. You want to lean into the talent, and the talent's going to be around for 2023 because we're going to do it in 2022. No. He's going, hey, 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 we real young, y'all. We real young. And I'm going, doggone. All right. I'm already out there. I still think that they're going to be pretty good. I think they've got an opportunity to show what they're capable of against Alabama. Uh, I've been asked this question. Alabama beats them. Everybody would have said, cool, that happens. I'm the dude who thinks they could beat Alabama because I also saw what they did against a really great 2019 LSU team. Totally different team, totally different program, but you get what I'm saying. When they on the 40 acres and they got an opportunity to go at a class SEC team, they seem to show up as a program. They keep it within single digits. You should feel good about that because that's what they did playing against that LSU program. All right. Other thing about this is I'm saying, or, or are they just Ferrari? Every F1 fan in your life, save me, is a Ferrari fan of some sort. I don't care about Ferrari. You know I don't care about Ferrari? Because Ferrari has never once demonstrated that they are at the forefront of technology. All the things that you associate with being cool about cars, traction control, carbon fiber chassis, paddle shifters, 
These are all things that happen apart from Ferrari. This dude named Enzo, he starts this company because Fiat would not give him a job. That's it. This dude named Enzo, he does not actually make cars. He never made cars. He hired other people to make cars. He's P.T. Barnum. He is a peak Italian dude. That's what he did. And he kept showing up to races. That's why Ferrari has claimed to have staying power. Hey, we've been in F1 every year. Yeah, because we can't actually kick y'all up and y'all keep showing up. Mercedes just decided not to keep racing because people died. But they were dominating this sport with auto union. Okay. You get into the 70s. You get in the 80s. You get in the 90s. You see a couple world champions here and there. Nicky Lauda. Some of y'all saw Rush. Good for you. You saw the one F1 movie that everybody sees. Good for you. And then you get into Michael Schumacher. But that's got apart from what we know as Enzo Ferrari. So you got the seven years of absolute dominance where Luca Di Montezemolo absolutely tasked a Ross Braun, tasked a Gene Tote with, hey, I got all the tools. The old man has passed away in 1988. What do you need? And they go out there and they take basically the Italian national team because they also are subsidized by Italy. Hello. And they go win some world championships. And then F1 does what it does because F1 formula, formula means rules. They change the rules. Change the rules because they decided it was bad for the sport that Ferrari just dominated everybody. And Ferrari has not recovered. Okay? All of that to say, everybody knows Texas. Everybody knows Ferrari. How many world championships have you been alive for for Ferrari? Quite a few. But you can't count back that far because you just started dry, watching Drive to Survive last week. Now, didn't you? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Okay? A lot of people claiming that Texas is back. Don't actually remember that before 2005, you got to go back to the 1970s for the last time that you know, Texas won a national championship. I think 1981 might have been in there a little bit. Can't, can't remember Fred Akers actually got one. I just remember that he did kick Fred Akers out with, with the quickness. And then you get into that John Makovich bit, and then you get into Mac Brown and actually knew what he was doing with Texas, and we haven't been back there since. All to say, we're going to find out in 2022 if Texas is back or if Texas is just Ferrari. A moneyed, overly popular entity that doesn't actually win championships. Talk about that a little bit later on. Okay, I want to move on. To our next segment in the show. Teams who uh, will exceed expectations. All right. So we're going to use the win totals provided to us by Fox Bet for me to jump off with a take. All right. I believe Oklahoma, who has a Fox Bet win total of eight and a half wins, will exceed expectations. Matter of fact, when I saw this, I'm kind of thinking that the good folks at the book at foxbet.com, we're looking out for your mans because that's easy money. That's just easy money. Nine wins? All Oklahoma got to do is get to nine wins? Okay, cool. Show me the three losses on the schedule, right? Utah, nah. Sorry, Texas El Paso. Nebraska, maybe, maybe, but probably not, okay? Kent State, Take the money, dog. Take, take, take the money for this butt kicking. That's what it's going to be. And then you get in the Big 12 Conference play. Which one of these teams is good enough to beat a good Oklahoma team, right? You might get to Texas, who, you know, at OU Texas, the Red River rivalry, by the way, they're due. I said it already. They're due, okay? Then you're looking at new head coach at Texas Christian, new head coach at Texas Tech, okay? Kansas got close. We'll see. I feel good about Baylor and Oklahoma State holding their own against Oklahoma. Side of Texas, I think you got wins all over that. So I think Oklahoma's going to exceed expectations, and we'll talk about whether or not they can get back to the Big 12 championship here coming in because that's that's your first task. you got to win the conference when you can play in the college football playoff. 
unless you play in the SEC. Expand the playoff to 16 teams, you cowards. All right. Next team I think is going to overachieve, right? West Virginia at five and a half. I think West Virginia can get to six games. I'm going to start with this. Graham Harrell and JT Daniels are reunited. Now, Neil Brown was cagey about telling me who was going to be your starting quarterback against Pitt. He also went on to say, hey, we felt real good about who we had. We didn't want to go to the portal. We got dudes. And then, and then, well, you know, JT Daniels becomes available. <laughs> so JT Daniels coming off of a national championship football team, one that he started for in 2020 and did real well, and who's more talented than Stetson Bennett, full stop. Comes available, reunite with Graham Harrell, five-star quarterback. That's easy. It's easy money. Add Tony Mathis Jr. to the mix. If he's even half as good as Letty Brown, you probably got a good pass attack because Sam James still out there, okay? Defensively, Jordan Leslie knows what he's doing, okay? West Virginia defensive backs are the kind that end up at Georgia. Now, if you're in Morgantown, you don't feel great about that because you're developing somebody else's players, but you're going to be really good on the defensive line, outstanding on the defensive line. All you got to do is keep a lid on the defense, and West Virginia has demonstrated over the last two years that they can be a top 10 and a top 20 defense. So I'm looking at schedule, right, and I'm looking at their non-con. They got Pitt. I think they're going to win that game. There's no Jordan Addison. Keaton Slovis is in year one. You got a new offensive coordinator. And Patton Arduzzi is doing podcasts with local Ford dealerships. It's not always a good look when you're doing that in the offseason, and he's out here just saying stuff now. First, it was funny. Now it feels kind of desperate, but we'll see. We'll see. You got an opportunity. Show everybody what's really good in the ACC. Then there's Towson. That's a win. Sorry, Towson. I mean, I, I understand that your man, Darius Victor, has done the USFL spotlight show over here, and I love me some Darius Victor, but y'all not going to beat West Virginia. Uh, that's, that's not, we have a question coming later in the show that is, who is the most likely candidate for money in the bag? And it ain't West Virginia. It ain't West Virginia. And then, to finish out their non-conference slate, they got a Virginia Tech who's got year one with Brent Pry doing an outstanding job of uh, coordinating defense at Penn State. We'll see, right? I also think that this is a team that's going to absolutely stun some teams that we think are good. Think Baylor, think Oklahoma State, think Oklahoma. They had that game damn near won in Norman last year. Okay? They could do it in Morgantown. I've been to Milan Pusker Stadium. I don't really want to go again because it's hostile. It's hostile. It's hostile. Matter of fact, you know how hostile it is? Okay, this is going back to like 2012, all right? 2012. So my JP still there, I think. Or is it a little bit later? 2013. 2013. Alex Ross is still returning kicks. I say all that to say... It's 10 a.m. in the morning, and I walk to the stadium to go set up. I see a woman with aviator shades, crop top WV shirt on, cut off at the sleeves, Daisy Dukes on. It's cold. It's real cold. It's cold. It's cold. It's under 40 degrees. It's 38 degrees, 35 degrees. It's cold. She got a rolling rock under one arm, like a six-pack of rolling rock, and she got the champagne bottle on the other, and she is swinging from the champagne bottle, walking across the street through the crosswalk. You don't want it with the Mountaineers, man. You don't want it with them. Like, when they decided that they're going to go party, they decided they're going to go party. And they got a team that's going to be pretty doggone good playing the Backyard Bowl for the first time in years. I'm fired up for them in this pick game. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Last team I think is going to overachieve. Kansas. Okay. I understand. I, I understand what you mean. I understand where you're going. I understand. Okay. Let me let me walk this out. Fox Bet has them at two and a half. That means you win three, you get your money. Three games. Three games. You get your money. You get your money. Okay. They won two last year. They got damn close to Oklahoma, and they beat Texas in Austin. All right. 
games, games in Lawrence this year. That's one. That's one, right? Now they got to go to Norman, but you understand. So they're not a conference. Tennessee Tech, that's a bad FCS team. Like, I believe they were 3-8 and eight last year, okay? Then you got Houston. That's going to be tough. Houston's talented. Houston's good. Coming off 12-win season. They return Clayton Toon. They got one of the better tailbacks that nobody talks about. They're going to be decent. They're going to be decent to good. And then there's Duke. Duke is in year one with Mike Elko, who left defensive coordinator at AM, I guess because he just really, 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 really wanted to be a head coach. But Duke's a tough place to play, tough place to program build. I think that Lance Leipold wants every bit of Duke. So I'm going to say, I give him a chance to beat Duke. They ought to beat Texas Tech. You go reel off one Big 12 win. One. That's Texas Tech in year one. That's K-State with a new offensive play caller in uh, Colin Klein and a new quarterback in Adrian Martinez, which means you got to put the shackles on Deuce Vaughn, which is not its not a simple thing to do. It's just not. But you go get one win among those other nine teams, and you make your money. I think they're going to exceed expectations. All right, now let's, let's proceed to your favorite segment, but this segment's probably going to get me most yelled at. Teams who will fall short of expectations. All right. I'm going to start and go ahead and get it off a chest. Oklahoma State, look at the eight and a half wins from Fox Bet. That means they got to win nine. Okay? I just talked to Herm Edwards not too long ago. They feel pretty good about Emory Jones coming from Florida. They got Paul Tyson Jr., who is grandson of Bear Bryant back there too. And they got what I think is one of the, another one of those great group of five tailbacks in Zazavian Halliday. Okay, I think they're going to be all right. They still got my man Jalen Conyers. Shout out Jalen Conyers out there at Arizona State, and they're going to be pretty good defensively. I think Glenn Thomas offensively knows what they're doing. Donnie Henderson, he's been around the program uh, going back to the 90s when they made the Rose Bowl and been coaching for years. I think they're going to be all right. Despite all the sanctions, despite all the movement, I think they're going to be a tough out for Oklahoma State. Also on their non-conference, right, you all, you have Arkansas Pine Bluff, which I, I think is a, is a win for them, but, you know, it's a – it's wild to me to hear how many PWIs, predominantly white institutions, enjoy having HBCUs come to them because they're not so interested in football, they're interested in the bands. So I think APB is going to win the battle of the bands when they play in Stillwater. They just not going to win the football game. Okay, That's just not how that goes. And then to finish out their non-conference schedule, they have Central Michigan. Jim McElwain, I think, had a little bit of a scare here lately. Hopefully he's all right, but Central Michigan ought to be a team you win. Ought to team you would be a team you beat. For Oklahoma State, it ain't the non-conference schedule that scares me. Again, I go back to can Spencer Sanders hold on to the football? Because when he holds on to the football, you might get Notre Dame. Now Notre Dame defense made that man look all elite. You know, he 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 looked like that dude. But he also take care of the football, running around. He also said that like he got hit hardest he's ever been hit in a football game in that Notre Dame game. So they gave as good as they got. Are you gonna beat Oklahoma? That's 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 up in the air. I say it's up in the air. Historically, it's not even close. Historically, historically, that's Oklahoma running away. But not here in the last five to ten, right? You know, we got the punted again, Bob shirts. We got Tyree Hill going off, and we have last year certainly where special teams was absolutely garbage and trash. But We'll talk about that a little bit. Not to take anything away from my man Braylon Presley because he got an opportunity to run one back, and he did that, and I'm so proud of him because that's T-Town, right? But also in there, can you beat Texas? We'll see. Can you beat Kansas State? We'll see. There's All the Big 12 teams feel like 
they got Oklahoma State and see them between the eyes because Derek Mason taking over a defense that, frankly, wasn't one he built. And anybody that can tell you, I'm going to tell you about this. Ohio State can tell you, having a defense coordinator come in and try to fix what he didn't build, probably impossible. Jeff Halfley goes to Boston College. Kerry Combs comes over to Ohio State. Running the same defense, it doesn't go well. Okay, it's going to be about how Derek Mason figures this thing out. Okay, next team on this list, West, uh, excuse me, not West Virginia, Kansas State, six and a half wins. That means they got to win seven. That's a lot to put on my man Deuce Vaughn. Now, Deuce Vaughn is the second coming of Darren Sproles. Okay, as a matter of fact, what I said, what do you say, what, what do you hear when I say Darren Sproles? He said the blueprint. And I said, oh, Lord, because I remember 2003 Oklahoma getting terrorized by that man. Like, that's just, just, just not a fun, it's not a, nothing about the 2003 season is fun, especially those last two months. I got to work with Reggie and Matt. Nothing about that is fun, guys. <laughs> now I got Deuce Vaughn, who's averaging 6.8 yards per carry, or excuse me, per touch for his career, which is second only to Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma. And the dude right there next to him is Vince Young. Deuce was that dude. The only returning first-team All-American in this conference, right? All five foot five of him. Hold it down for the short Kings. Absolutely love that. But you're asking a lot, I think, of Kansas State to win seven games this year because I'm looking at their non-conference. South Dakota, that'll be a win. Mizzou's going to give them a hard time. And Tulane is going to give them a hard time because Tulane gave Oklahoma a hard time. Tulane also gave Cincinnati a hard time. Tulane is built to give people a hard time. They're going to get one of these uh, one, one of these power five teams in their non-conference schedule, I think. Me thinks, right? And then you have the normal rigmarole of what is a daunting Big 12 schedule if you're Kansas State, Right? You might get beat in-state rival. Who knows? Could happen. Okay? It's coming together for them, but I don't think it's coming together to the tune of seven games in the regular season. Okay? Last team I think might fall short of expectations is Texas Christian. Texas Christian at six and a half means they got to win seven. Southern Methodist wants every bit of Sonny Dykes this year. Why? You'll remember, Sonny Dykes comes from Southern Methodist. He left – he left – I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta turn this one. Just, I gotta turn this one, cause I know too many of y'all from Dallas, right? Uh, and I just, he left good Dallas, good Dallas, posh Dallas, okay, veneer of Dallas. Dan Jenkins is Dallas, to go to Fort Worth. <laughs> he left good Dallas to go to Stockyards. He left good Dallas to go coach at a place where the last coach still has a statue, and that coach goes go to Texas. Yeah, SMU going to feel some kind of way. I hope Rhett Lashley leans all the way in on that because I'm so excited for that game, all right? Like, don't nobody want to beat the Frogs. Like, Southern Methodists want to beat the Frogs. I'm here for this, all right? Also in there, on their non-conference, which I think is kind of, you know, interesting, Tarleton State, maybe, maybe. I'm not going to just write them off as a team that can't beat Texas Christian, but the three-headed Montreal wide receivers for real, okay, in particular, too, I love me some Quentin Johnson, who I learned high jump 7'2 in high school. Good Lord, son. He's 6'4". Every jump ball should be Quentin Johnson's ball. And then Tay Barber, another short king holding it down. Chandler Morris might beat out Max Duggan. We'll see. We also know that Sonny Dykes wants to throw the ball around. I also know that Joe Gillespie is absolutely coaching defense, okay? I know this because I'm a University of Tulsa grad. And that is the man responsible for giving us Zayvon Collins. And Baylor, your Jackson player, he's also coming from Tulsa and Joe Gillespie's defense. 
He wants a bunch of, let's say a bunch. He wants at least three dudes that can stand up with a foot nine technique and go beat the hell out of running backs and offensive tackles. Okay? He's going to have two safeties back there that are absolute hitters, and he's going to have some man-on-man coverage quarters that are sticky. Okay? It's going to be kind of tough. They got Colorado to open the season. Hopefully, JT Stroud becomes himself. He's able to take over that job. I really like Carl Durrell. He's in a great spot at Colorado. Robert Barnes is going to be leading his defense. Yes, Oklahoma's Robert Barnes. That man is massive. That man is enormous. Like, I was geeking about it at Pac-12 Media Day, so much so that our lead producer, Tyler Wojak's like, man, you really do think that dude's got big? Because he has. He put on 30 pounds during the 2020 season, y'all. This is a five-star safety who, if he gets any bigger, they're going to have him putting his hand on the ground and pass rushing. He's still got all of that. I'm saying, you got to get at least all three of those for me to feel comfortable about you getting seven wins in the Big 12 slate, and I just don't see it happening. All right, moving on. The best bet to put the money in the bag. All right. So I gave it some thought, right? Because this means basically you're going through non-conference schedules and you're looking at who is playing an FCS or a group of five opponent that might be considered beneath them. You know, here on the number one ranked show, we don't really like the pay games. Go play somebody. And if you have my 16-team playoffs, it doesn't hurt you in the rankings because, hey, you'll get in because you deserve to be in. However, we do enjoy when our FCS, our group of five teams, goes and gets the W. We also enjoy... Our group of five teams running the table on folks. You will know, going back to 2021, one of the darlings of this show, Texas San Antonio, UTSA, the Road Runners, who, by the way, Bill, Bill, Brett Bielema went out of his way to say, like, yeah, we dropped the game to a UTSA team. I'm like, hey, 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 that's a good football team you dropped the game to. You also put the money in the bag. I think they're up again. You know why? Because they get Texas this year. Yeah, the Texas that I picked. All right, let me walk this out. They return Frank Harris, at quarterback, who feels like he's been playing at UTSA since they started the program in 2011. They got Zachariah back at wide receiver. He caught something like 81 balls last year. They got Brendan Brady taking over for the All-American in Sincere McCormick at tailback. They keep a lid on the defense. They're going to be pretty good through the middle. I love what Jeff Trailer has built down in San Antonio and the way they're keeping it in. Now, What's really cool about this is that about five years, no, 2019, I think it was, 2019 and 2017, athletic director, Lisa Campos, signed a deal with Texas. They're going to play five times over the next decade. This is the first of those five. The guarantee is a million dollars. So I can absolutely see a roadrunner program showing up to the 40 acres somewhere around the Alabama game just after beating the hell out of ULM, handing Texas its head. Maybe not handing Texas its head, but certainly getting the W. Because it's a good football team that you will overlook. It's a good football team made of Texas players and Texas assistants. Jeff Trailer goes out of his way to be like, no, 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 no. I'm a product of Texas high school football. Okay? The Texas High School Football Coaches Association is near and dear to his heart. He wears the hat out. Okay? That is the kind of constituency it is. He hired a bunch of those dudes. They went out there and did the doggone thing in 2021. So much so that I'm catching shrapnel, catching hell for ranking them highly. It's not, RJ, it's not that you rank them highly. It's that you rank them ahead of Alabama. Who lost to A&M? What do, we, what, what do I got to do here to get across to you that winning should matter? 
Now, not to get too far out into the weeds or ahead of myself, but I'm going to just give you the rankings that you like because this is the college football we have and not the college football I want. But I'm not going to let slide. You lost to unranked A&M when I got somebody else over here who's won every single game. You cannot lose to Oregon at home and expect me to respect that. You can't. Why? My goodness, man. Everybody wants to talk about the scoreboard matter until the scoreboard goes a different way. I ought to say, I think the UTSA is going to put the shimmy in the shag. Texas, you are on watch to put the money in the bag. Ain't like y'all ain't got it, man. Y'all like one of the wealthiest college football programs, athletic programs in all of the country. I mean, I think they're going over $250 million in revenue this year. Like, that's what? What? Man, just go ahead and throw, throw, them, throw them this money. But if you throw them this money and you throw them the W, we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about you loudly. It's going to be live right here in direct, right here on the number one ranked show. I'm looking forward to that game. All right. Players who I believe will have a breakout year. Identify three. Three of them, right? Three of them. First, what I think is relatively obvious for those of us that have been paying attention to Big 12, Blake Shapin, okay? The man they call Shea or shape, depending on who you want to talk to. Dylan Doyle, Bryson Jackson, two linebackers, they really love what he has displayed. This is a man who signed up to play not just football, but baseball at Baylor, coming out of Evangel Christian. He can sling it, and he's accurate. I think you give him enough opportunities, you give him a potent run game, he's going to be all right. Now, it's an open question as to what the run game is going to look like, because Aiden Smith and his 1,600 yards are New Orleans Saints. Tristan Ebner, I believe, is a Chicago Bear. You don't need to replace that. R.J. Sneed, he transferred from Baylor to Colorado. We'll just see how it goes, right? Next t- uh, player that I believe is going to have a breakout year, also relatively obvious, Quinn Ewers, Texas. Now, I know that Steve Sarkeesian has not named him the quarterback, but I also told you all about Casey Thompson when he went ahead and named Hudson Card. I ended up being right. But when you look at what this man can do with a football, which is sling it all over the yard, and you know that Ohio State was not only willing to accept his commitment but allow him to reclassify early to get up there, and then you find out that he's from South Lake Carroll, which is down the street, and as far as we're talking about national geography, and he's playing football the place where everybody thought he should be playing football to begin with. That's enough. I will add to that. They added weapons for him. It's not just that you got B. John Robinson, who's a Heisman candidate, seven and a half yards deep. It's that you got Xavier Worthy on one side. You got Isaiah Nair on the other side. You got Jaleel Billingsley, who I also nearly put on this list, breaking out of tight end. They ought to be outstanding at skill positions if they're even adequate on the offensive line. I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a breakout year. Last player that I want to mention here, players who I think are going to have a breakout year, Oklahoma safety Billy Bowman. Okay, this one's a little in the weeds because my man Bowman started out as safety, played well, then he had to move to corner because they got hurt, and he got exposed. He got exposed. It's not a good look. But Billy was once committed to Texas. Flipped his commitment to Oklahoma. He's put on a lot of weight. Like, he's put on that Robert Barnes weight over the summer. Just cock diesel like that. But also, this is a man who we thought might be going both ways when he first got to Oklahoma. Playing wide receiver. Playing some safety. When I talk to him right here on the number one ranked show, you can go dig through the YouTube archives to listen to that interview. He's like, yeah, I think I'm more like a Christian McCaffrey. I can do everything. I can be in the backfield. I can just line up in the slot. And I want to do everything. Then he got, then he, then he got to Oklahoma and said, you playing defense. And I said, no! I want to see him with the ball in his hands. And they're like, yeah, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to play special teams. Now, we can say a lot of good things about Lincoln Riley, and we will. But one of them is not going to be about special teams. I can take it back to 2017, watching the Rose Bowl being up 17, and then you decide to squib kick to Georgia, who goes down there and gets 
I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rehash. I'm not gonna rehash it because I don't want to cry here in front of y'all. I do enough of that already. But also, Lincoln Riley does a risk assessment when it's talking about kickoffs and punt returns, or kick return and punt return. We're not gonna do it unless you really gotta have a great return. It's just not gonna do it. Doesn't see the juice worth the squeeze. So you see C.D. Lamb back there, fair catching balls. C.D. Lamb who once juked four Texas football players in one play. CeeDee Lamb, who might be the most physical wide receiver to play in Dallas since Michael Irvin, and where's the vaunted 88? What do we do with all of that? Hey, man, fair catch. We're not fair catching no more, okay? We are returning kicks. We are returning punts. We're trying to go get field position and go get an easy six. Billy Bowman's going to have an opportunity to do that, baby. We're going to get to see the man who was electric. Electric in high school, returning kicks, returning punts. Absolutely get after it. Mo, go back to his one position playing safety. And I trust Brent Venables to develop this man into an outstanding defense back. And then maybe down the line, we get a little R.W. McQuarters. Okay? Okay? We get a little Andre Warfolk. Okay? We get a little Antonio Perkins if you are of the special teams variety and you go back that far. I'm excited to see what Billy Bowman is capable of in the Brent Venables era. Okay. How many teams can compete for the college football playoff? This is one live and direct from a man's Tyler Wojak, lead producing the show. It really comes down to four teams, if we're being honest about this, okay? And you know the four teams. I'm not going to bore you with, you know, why you know those four teams, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, Baylor. Why? Show me somebody else playing the college football playoff that has played the Big 12 championship in the last four years. You're going to go back go back five and go to Texas Christian if you want to, but that's what Gary Patterson being the head coach. We're really going to be talking about Dave Aranda. We're really going to be talking about Steve Sarkeesian and or Tom Herman. We're really going to be talking about Mike Gundy, Lincoln Riley, and then can Brent Venables do it? Yes, Brent Venables has done it before, so he can do it again as an assistant, not as a head coach. Oklahoma has the personnel, right, the sheer talent to get to the Big 12 championship. We've seen Oklahoma State and Baylor do more with less because they've had outstanding defensive play, right? You found something really, really cool in Jim Knowles, and then Ohio State said, hey, let's, let, let, us, let us hold that right quick. Let, let us hold it. What you going to do with all that? You're not playing in no college football playoff. Give us, give us that right quick. Give us that. That's what happens, right? And Mike Gundy's getting used to this. This is a man who once got tired of the turnover with his offensive coordinator, so he went and got to do that at Shippingsburg only to lose him to Texas, Ohio State, and now Penn State. Mike Yersich. Just It's going to happen like that if you are Oklahoma State. But they can get back there. They can get there for the first time. Baylor can get there for the first time, even though they probably should have been there years ago. Baylor fans understand. Texas Christian fans understand. Texas is the one that I'm probably going to catch the most hell for because all Texas has done is shown up to the Big 12 championship to get ran by Oklahoma here in the last five to seven. It's never been a matter of whether or not Texas has talent. That's why we are always caping for Texas. Why I look at the roster and I get giddy. I get absolutely giddy because they've got dudes. It's can you put all these dudes together and form a winning football team? And I don't have too many friends that are Longhorn fans for obvious reasons, but the little ones that I do have, first I remind them that the Eyes of Texas is still their fight song and I will never get past that. I also will add nobody does more with less. Change that up in 2022. Change that up, and you win the Big 12 championship, you go to college football playoff. Which leads me to our last segment on today's show. Who will play and win in the Big 12 championship? Shocker for me here, guys. 
Oklahoma and Texas. That's who I'm choosing. Okay. I love what Oklahoma has offensively and defensively. I think they're balanced. I think Texas ought to be putting up 50 a game with the offensive talent they have the skill position. It's about Cam Pete Kukowski give them a competent defense. That's the open question. I think DeMarvion Overshone leading them in the linebacking core, six-year senior coming out of ARP, Texas, who wore his, not his Stetson, but his throwaway cowboy hat to see me at Big 12 Media Days. I love me some DeMarvion Overshone. That dude is cool, right? I, I, get, I get to it because when you're authentic with it, it, it hit kind of different. They got some outstanding players on the defensive line. If Keandre Coburn can hold up, be that dude in the middle, I think they got an opportunity to keep the lid on and keep people out of their end zone, not giving up 50-plus to Kansas. Can't give up 50-plus to Kansas and expect to compete and win for the Big 12 championship, although you put up 70 on Texas Tech. And I'm, I, I, Texas Tech remembers. <laughs> like, I talked to them Red Raiders, man. <laughs> Miles Bryce, Tyree Wilson, they are fired up. They want every bit of Texas. Flagship University, right? Everybody wants a piece of Texas. I think Oklahoma wins that game. Basically, because if anybody could put the lid on what I think is a Vonta Texas offense, it's going to be Brent Venables. You know how I know? You know why I know? Because he did it all the time against Oklahoma at Clemson. The Sweatpants Bowl. Y'all remember the Sweatpants Bowl? I remember the Sweatpants Bowl. Sweatpants Bowl was awful for your boy. Okay? It's not that Oklahoma lost 46. It's not that Trevor Knight was held to 103 passing yards. It's that your man was also unceremoniously kicked out the door out of his first full-time gig following the loss in the sweatpants bowl. Just not a good year for your mans. Like, I, I kind of want to put 2014 in a blender somewhere. But that was also Brent Venable saying, oh, no, 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 I know how to do this. And what did they do in 2015? And what did they do in 2016, 2017, 2018? You get what I'm saying here? His defense is the reason that they have been great. His defense is the reason that they were able to win national championships. Why you could talk about Trevor Lawrence being great. And that other dude we're not going to mention on the show. But if he could do that against Lincoln Riley, he ought to be able to do that against Steve Sarkeesian. Certainly did it against Alabama. Or did y'all remember, did y'all forget the 15th and final game of that that magical 2018 season for Clemson? I'm saying, Brent Venable's got three national championships. Twice, (laughs) two at Clemson. Three times as many as Oklahoma's won since 2000. All I'm asking for is one, dog. I'm just looking for one. I ain't won a national championship since I was 13 years old, Brent. You understand? I'm saying I just I got must to see faith, but I but I need I need to see I need to see the tides paying me back. Okay, I'm kicking in. I'm asking for a little bit. It's been 22 years. I'd like to see a Big 12 championship. I'd like to see a win, a win in the college football playoff. How about that? A win. And then I would like to see a national championship one. That'd be that's all I'm asking for. That's it. That's all. All right. That's been our Big 12 preview for the preseason. We will be back at you more with the Big 10, the Pac-12, the ACC, even the SEC. As much as it pains me to say, we're probably going to be talking about at least six teams that could play in the college football playoff. All right. My thanks, as always, to our new lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Very excited about this. You've seen him on the show a couple of times. He's been really doing an outstanding job for me and for the show growing it our coordinating producer our senior producer Catherine Donnelly promoted love that for us love that for her our director today is Chris Chester on other days it's been John Marcus our social media maven is JVI Duncan our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn and yeah I'm the host RJ Young we will see y'all next week doses